a dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. John Calvin. Telling a woman that she can't be an elder is a nonsense rule. If they claim to be in the body, we let them have it. Donald Trump is going to win in 2020 by an absolute landslide. There are six Christianizing the American dream. I said that that many LDS folks and I uh, love the same Jesus. Uh, I still believe that. Sawing is a blessing from God to make you rich. Treating Jesus like a lottery ticket. The Lord spoke to my heart. Been very few times I've ever heard God be this articulate with me. And I'm telling you word for word, these words came into my heart. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Master's Dog, episode 113. I'm your host, Norm, the Master's Dog Dunham, a.k.a. the Evangelical Norm. So, uh, we just dropped one video, and now we're going to jump into the next one, just playing catch-up on a two-week hiatus that I took. So, I want to catch up on all the videos that I wanted to respond to, uh, that I committed to respond to. Um, This is going to be the last one I dropped today, tomorrow, uh, which is Thursday morning right today is Wednesday yep tomorrow Thursday we will uh I will I will not me I'm 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 a one-man operation here uh I will drop two more episodes I'm gonna do a let me tell you episode I haven't done in a couple weeks just to kind of catch up on the the cray cray that is going on out there and probably an episode of Stupid Things Jory Micah says. And that should be, have us cat, caught up. Uh, then Saturday, False Teacher of the Week, uh, so on. I still have a, a bunch of unsolicited I want to get done. I've got at least three episodes coming up. And then Ivy Connerly's got an album coming out soon. Um, some other stuff going on. So probably a whole bunch of unsolicited episodes coming up over the next week or so. Hopefully we'll get those in. So, uh, today, this, this time, this episode, this hour, um, 10 minutes after I just finished the last one, um, we are once again responding to David from Saints Unscripted. This is kind of a blind reaction. I did not watch this entire video earlier. It is him talking about, it's it, it, the caption says, a crash course on Jewish feasts and holidays. So I'm just, and, and full disclosure, I'm not an expert on Jewish feasts, feasts and holidays. So he could be throwing some stuff out in there that I am not 100% on. But I will respond the best that I can to this. This is going to be one of those where it's going to be kind of weird. Um, I don't even know if it really has any significance. But I trust that God is going to bring something out of it, which he does every single time we do one of these videos. So all that being said, here we are going to jump into and let David take us through... uh, how Mormons view Jewish feasts and holidays. So here we go. So in Leviticus chapter 23 of the Old Testament, the Lord instructs the Israelites to observe seven feasts or festivals every year. Four of these holy days or holidays took place during the spring harvest season. There, there's a part of me that wants to say they did this episode 
just so they could use clips from Fiddler on the Roof. I'm betting there's going to be... I'm going to put the over-under on at least three more clips from Fiddler on the Roof. So that's one. So we're talking four. ...and the remaining three during the fall harvest. These are still Jewish holidays celebrated today, but they also have significance for Latter-day Saints and other Christians. It's important to understand why these holy days exist. Christianity was born from Judaism. So understanding some of these ancient aspects of Judaism can help us better understand our own heritage. But also, it's just good to learn more about the traditions of our Jewish friends and family. How did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. In this episode, we're going to briefly describe each of these holy days and maybe connect some dots you might not have known were there before. Okay, here we go. I'm going to do the best I can. All right, so before we get into this, it's important to understand that neither the Bible for Christians nor the Torah for Jews gives very many details on how exactly these feasts are to be celebrated. We're going to focus more on current Jewish traditions, but understand that these holy days can mean different things and be observed differently by different groups of people at different times. Let's begin with the spring holy days. Today, the Passover feast, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and a Feast of First Fruits are all generally considered part of Passover week. The Passover meal occurs on the 14th or 15th day of the first month of the Hebrew calendar, which falls in either March or April of our calendar. The meal commemorates when death passed over the Israelites enslaved in Egypt and when they were delivered from Egypt as per the Old Testament and the Torah. The Feast of Unleavened Bread is celebrated for the next seven days after the Passover meal. During this time, participants make sure that the bread or grains they eat are unleavened. There's a lot of symbolism in this. After the first Passover, the Israelites hightailed it out of Egypt. There wasn't time to let bread rise, so they baked unleavened dough. This feast calls to remembrance that journey out of Egypt. Yeast, or leaven, is also sometimes compared to sin in Scripture. In preparation for Passover week, Jews scour their homes, removing any and all leavened foods or leavening agents. Do we have anything unleavened? Yeah, we do. It's in the back. We have a fancy name for it in this century. It's called pita. Getting rid of these foods can represent removing sin from your life, and the difficulty of it calls to mind the need for God in that process. A couple of days after the Passover meal, during the week-long Feast of Unleavened Bread, anciently Israelites celebrated another feast called the Feast of First Fruits, during which they would offer as a sacrifice at the temple their first bushel of grain from the season's first harvest as a show of gratitude. This was called a wave offering. This festival isn't observed as strictly in modern Judaism, but seven weeks or 50 days after Passover, modern Jews do celebrate the summer harvest during the next feast called the Feast of Weeks, also known as Shavuot or Pentecost, which is a word derived from the Greek word for 50. In addition to the harvest, this holy day commemorates the giving of the law to the Israelites by Moses on Mount Sinai. These spring Jewish holidays also have special significance for Christians as they each are types or shadows of events from the New Testament. Just as a sacrificial lamb saved the Israelite slaves during Passover, Jesus Christ was the sacrificial lamb who was killed on Passover and was resurrected three days later as the first fruits of them that slept. Fifty days after Christ's death, when disciples celebrated the summer harvest during Pentecost, there was a great outpouring of the Spirit which led to thousands of baptisms, a harvest of souls. Next, we have the Fall Holy Days, which begin with the Jewish New Year Rosh Hashanah, or the Feast of Trumpets, also originally known as the Day of Remembrance. 
This holy day occurs on the first day of the seventh month in the Hebrew calendar, or in September or October on our calendars. On this holiday, you might hear the occasional blast of the ram's horn, or shofar. The sounding of the shofar and the different blasts are symbolic of several different things. Latter-day Saint scholar Lynette Reed noted four purposes of the Feast of Trumpets as outlined by Jewish scholars. It Again, I guess you just have to pause and read that list of many things. You could put anything on that list. One, the beginning of Israel's final harvest. Two, the day God had set to remember his ancient promises to regather Israel. Three, a time for new revelation that would lead to a new covenant with Israel. And four, a time to prepare for the millennium. Interestingly, in 1827, Rosh Hashanah fell on September 22nd. Is that when it's going to happen? September 22nd, midday? The very day that Joseph Smith received the ancient Book of Mormon plates from the angel Moroni. Considering what this holy day signifies and considering the purpose of the Book of Mormon, I tend to think this is far from coincidental. Coincidence? I think not! The Feast of Trumpets also marks the beginning of a 10-day period known as the Days of Awe. These are days of repentance in preparation for the next holiday, which occurs at the end of the 10 days, called the Day of Atonement, or Yom Kippur. On this day anciently, the Israelite high priest would enter the Holy of Holies in the temple and sprinkle the blood of the sacrificial lamb on the lid of the Ark of the Covenant as an act of atonement for the sins of Israel. In Judaism today, this day is treated with great reverence, prayer, fasting, and synagogue attendance. Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are described as the High Holy Days of Judaism. The final fall feast occurs a few days after Yom Kippur and is called Sukkot, or the Feast of Tabernacles. During this week-long celebration, participants live in makeshift tents or shelters in commemoration of the 40 years the Israelites lived in temporary dwellings before inheriting their promised land. The tabernacle is a temporary dwelling. It's a tent. I know what the tabernacle is. Latter-day Saints may recall from the Book of Mormon when the people of King Benjamin all gather around the temple and set up tents while they listen to the king. This was probably a feast of tabernacles of sorts. But anyway, there is a quick rundown of some of the major Jewish holy days. There is really so much more to say about each of these. If you want to learn more, check out the resources in the YouTube description. Or better yet, talk to your Jewish friends. Have a great day. I have wait, I have a all right, so there we go. There, there it is. All the hot. I don't have anything to refute. I'd be interested to see, to go back and look. I mean, you can make the claim that uh, Yom Kippur or whatever, um, the Feast of Trumpets, whichever one fell on the day that Joseph got the golden plates, blah, blah, blah. There were no golden plates. Let's just, let's just face the facts. That's a fabrication. Pick a day, whatever day. I, it doesn't make any... There were no golden plates. So convenient that supposedly God just took them back to heaven. They don't exist anymore. They're not around anymore. Blah, blah, blah. Right? So, again, the the holy days, of uh, Jewish holy days, they do carry significance. Um, the Passover. Here, here's a couple of things. The Passover marked with you know the blood of the lamb put over the doors that and Christ crucified on the cross the passover dinner that he had with his apostles where he instituted the instituted communion or what the mormons would call the sacrament and 
he used wine and unleavened bread. Mormons use water and wonder bread. So again, is there is is there an issue? Absolutely. I mean, I go to a church where, as an elder in that church, when I was an elder, we went round and round and round on whether we should use grape juice or wine. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that as we do communion, that we should use anything other than wine. Now, we have made a concession in the fact that we do provide a certain amount of cups of grape juice for people with issues of conscience and so on. But we encourage the use of wine because that's what Jesus used. That's what is significant about the feast. And the Mormons ignore that. And they not, I mean, not only do they not use alcoholic wine and not, I mean, they could use grape juice, but they went all the way to them in an extreme and they're just using water. Which is, I mean, personally, I look at that and I think it's it's blasphemous. So, all of these things and all this, all the, and okay, so I was wrong on the use of the fiddler on the roof. But they did throw in a couple of chosen uh, um, clips, so made up for it. And again, maybe it was just like somebody went and went, oh, look, this date, blah, blah, blah. Let's make this video just so we can throw this thing in there. To, to give the idea that maybe this is all true. But the reality is, again, there's no golden plates. There's nothing to indicate that they ever existed, and it's all a fabrication. And so, there you go. That's that's my take on it. I Yeah, there's not much there. I, I, maybe I should study a little more on the high, the, the high holy days and the holidays of feasts and stuff. You know, I mean, I know a little bit about them, but I've never, because I, I don't, I don't need to study that deep into them, right? So, he may have given a really good, and I think for the most part, his explanation is, is fairly biblical, you know, to try to make the, the tangential uh, connections to Mormonism is a stretch at best, but of course, that's what they do. He's a Mormon apologist, and he is going to do his best to use this to try to bolster up the claims that the Mormon church is the only true church, while they still right now don't make those claims and don't want to offend anybody, so everybody gets a little bit of the truth and blah, 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 right? I mean, we've, we've ad nauseum, we've gone through videos uh, responding to them where we recognize that they want to make this truth claim, but then they have to let it go because they don't want to offend anybody, and that would be postmodern. It's it's all postmodern at this point. So there you go, guys. There is a, a, a little response, a couple of Master's Dogs episodes to uh, fill your Wednesday. Look forward to more podcasting coming up in the next few days uh, as I play catch-up on all the stuff that I've missed as I took two weeks off, and it was very nice. So, But I, I, I am happy to be back uh, bringing some content to you guys, and I hope you enjoy it as well. If you do, please hit the subscribe button. Share it with your friends. As I last looked, I was two people away, two subscribers away from 200, which does not sound like a, a huge deal, but it's pretty significant to me. I mean, I'm finally catching up with my old channel, and um, we'll see. 
how we do. So hit subscribe, hit like, share. That makes Mr. Algorithm send this out to all the other people who might like to see it. You can follow me on Facebook, Norm Dunham. You can check us out over on Gab, Gab TV, uh, The Master's Dog on uh, Twitter, or The Evangelical Norm on Twitter. You can get me in all those places. I'm all over the place. Um, and actually, I've even started doing, I'm almost ashamed to admit it, uh, I've, I've done a couple of TikTok videos. Don't ask. Yeah. So uh, thanks, guys, again. Thanks for your time. As always, preach the gospel at all times. Use words. They are necessary. And until next time, Soli Deo Gloria. Mm-hmm.